do you also agree that he is a handsome boy? Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle, where we try to have thoughtful conversations about awkward topics on our search to find the middle. the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood, with your empty words. Andy, how you doing? Oh, good, Roger. How are you? Ah, uh, well, you know, uh, struck down with the cold again. Standard life of being a dad. When it comes to colds, are you the kind of person who tries to kind of blow their nose and, and clear it all out? Or do you actually just live with it and just kind of not, you know what I mean though, right? Like some people are very much like, I have to get every, as much phlegm no, out of my body no, as aggressively no. as possible. Or do you just kind of go with it? That seems like a very um, Eastern philosophy of like medicine to, you know, extract the toxins from the body um, <laughs> as opposed to, like the- yeah. Manage symptoms. Like, you know, when you when you walk past the um the massage places, the Asian massage places. We haven't spoken about massage for a while now. And so unlike us. Um you know how they advertise the ones where you put your foot in and they turn it on, and they're like, Oh, after thirty minutes the water's all black and looks like tar and look at all the toxins that we are extracting from your body. I think that's just the mold from the uh foot foot uh, spa, isn't it? <laughs> Apparently it happens whether your feet are in there or not. It just like something happens to the water. <laughs> Um, through running the current through. But anyway. You've been uh, busy shopping, Black Friday coming up. Oh, yeah. When do you think it um, became a thing in Australia? So, we, we, just um, remind me. So, the other one is like Cyber Monday. Or, is it Cyber Monday? No, I think you're thinking of a specific sex toy promotion. <laughs> um, but it's not really widespread. Because there's like two, right? One's to do with Thanksgiving. Is that this one? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So Black Friday is the main one that that I know of, isn't? It? But what, what's the, what's this thing like? I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. There's another thing called like Cyber Cyber Monday or something, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Cyber. It's, I mean, it sounds familiar, but I feel like all these things are taglines in some kind of marketing campaign. So Cyber Monday 2023. So th- okay. So the thing I don't understand. So you've got Black Friday. So I assume that's tomorrow yeah 24th so black friday but then you also have this thing called cyber monday so i i can't figure out and when's thanksgiving is that this weekend or something in america i don't know man again it's an american thing (laughs) (laughs) hang on let's let's say thanksgiving is the 23rd of it's today so okay so today is is thanksgiving in the u.s Uh, so we're recording on thursday 23rd and this being you'll get this if you're listening on Sunday. So, yeah, so Black Friday must be like the day after and then there's, they need like another bite at the cherry so they have Cyber Monday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Yeah. And like, like you said, so I, I don't know. I only, I only really participated in like Black Friday for the first time as, in, as a consumer I think last year and, and I think that was more because I just wanted to get some Christmas shopping done ahead of schedule but yeah i i haven't really thought of oh i'm not really that into but i don't have anything in mind to buy this year yeah have well, you? No, yeah i think it's like um 
it's just like a man thing though, right? Like, because, you know, you don't actually have to plan it all out. I mean, the, the beauty of this kind of thing is that you're served up suggestions. And I think that's the whole Amazon model now, right? Like you just like opening YouTube where you're like, this is suggested for you. A couple of weeks ago, you, you asked us to look at our um, Uber ratings. Let's, uh, let, let's do it, do that now with our um, Amazon recommendations and, and reveal. It's on my, it's on my home screen in my phone. So <laughs> I'm already there. You're already there. Okay. Okay. Well, you go first then if you. Well, well, no, okay. So at the moment I have a um, suspiciously white apple looking uh, air fryer from Philips with a 50% off uh, Black Friday deal. It looks glorious. I might might think about it. Uh, To the right, I have 66% off an extreme um, uh, SD card. Then I have the mother of all, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, imagine a baby gate or a playpen, but it looks like it extends from one end of the room to the other. (laughs) And then I have a pair of Wayfarers. So they're my four. Okay. Well, you, yours are better than mine. I, I've got 20% off a a grey interior bag. Looks like a camera bag, but it's, yeah, it's a camera bag, like a shoulder bag. I have, I don't even know what this is, so I'm going to have to click on the link. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how I could possibly think that I want a thick premium rubber car foot mat. I must admit, <laughs> there's nothing in my search history that could possibly... Have I wanted that? Thick, thick and rubber. <laughs> it's it's extra thick. I have a I'm gonna guess it's like a one of those Bluetooth speakers. Um it's a DOS D-O-S-S Bluetooth speaker. It comes I've in three colours, but for some reason black is the cheapest and white is the most expensive. And it's quite difficult. It's quite a different difficult. so so the white version of this costs ninety five dollars and seventy cents, and the black version is going for $50.99, so. Yeah, look, like, that's actually quite interesting because put aside all your racial, you know, over and undertones. Not for me. It's the Apple effect. It's the Apple effect. Anything that you can take anything and then just make it white, any (laughs) item, and you can charge more for it because it looks um, like an Apple product. Well, And I see it all the time, right? If you want to get the white torch or you want to get the white headset, there was, uh, you know, our microphones, they had um, like a white version of it. <laughs> and it was the same thing, but yeah, just 50 bucks more. Well, my final thing is white and it's called a an Airfly Pro and it's a wireless transmitter receiver with audio sharing for up to two AirPods wireless headphones to any audio jack for use on airplanes, boats, or in a gym, home, or auto. Um, and this actually goes against the grain because the white version is $70 and the black version is $71.95. So, Wow, there you go. I mean, I have thought about that actually because um, I did want to use my AirPod, AirPods um, on a flight and obviously you can't do that using their own entertainment systems so i thought actually yeah now they have all these little ones you can stick in there um in their seat and then you can still use your your own headphones i I gotta say though like if those four deals like recommended for me amazon's like not really tuned in to me Um, best lacking (laughs) like i've got to say like if that's like the black friday bonanza for me i'm i'm quite happy and content not to not to participate. I feel like there would there would have been heaps of opportunity for you, right? Because 
you know, we've been on a bit of a spending spree around tech and things like that, um, and a lot of research and things like that. So I think that there could have been there could have been some deals that got you off your seat for sure. I think I have everything that is within like an affordable price range that I want. So I'm not looking for anything at the moment. And then anything else is like going to be a big purchase and it's not one that I'm looking to make now anyway. So anything that by definition I would buy during a Black Friday sale is going to be some crap that I don't need. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it. Like that's what you want. You want to buy something that you don't need because the sale's the only time you can do it. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just kind of skipping Black Friday on your particular profile because they know they're going to get you on Cyber Monday. What's been really interesting though is that it has moved into retail as well. So, you know, in my estimation of the whole thing, Black Friday you know, it was an online thing. It was state-driven kind of e-commerce. When I say states, like American. And now it's actually really in the vernacular in Australia. And whenever you go to the shops like your Westfields and, you know, bricks and mortar, they have Black Friday signage everywhere, right? They have to as well because, you know, consumers will buy online if they don't. And um, this is the best chance to buy before Christmas, right? So if you're stocking up or you're thinking about buying something this kind of just nudges you like across the line and, and and maybe psychologically too it's beneficial because it's sufficiently far away from christmas that if you kind of treat you might like convince yourself it's like it's kind of an early christmas present but then still buy yourself a christmas <laughs> present as well yeah well we're, we're all to blame apparently for our own inflation in australia so home, homegrown terror yeah. So we're still licking our wounds as a nation in some ways from the voice referendum, but there's been a lot in the news cycle to distract us from that. I will will give it that. Uh, obviously not, not hoping for all the disasters globally, but it has been very forgiving in a way. And I think Anthony Albanese has been on a bit of a whirlwind tour of various diplomatic visits and things of that nature. And he's copped a lot of uh, you know mixed results from that. Obviously, a lot of it's from the opposition and about him traveling abroad and not and losing that kind of inward focus, which always happens. Uh, what's your What's your take on um, on how it's all been reported at the moment? Well, okay, so federal labor barely ahead in the latest polls. Um, this is an article I'm reading from the Conversation, dated the 19th of November. The latest federal YouGov poll conducted November 10 to 14 from a sample of about 1,500 gave Labor a 51-49 to 49 lead, a two-point gain for the coalition since early October. Um, primary votes were 36% for the coalition, which is steady, 31% for Labor, down two, uh, 13% for the Greens, down one, 7% for One Nation, up one. It must be all those, um, all those videos on YouTube that they're pumping out. And 13% for... Who animates them, the, the Koreans? What's that? Oh, so who animates yeah, the yeah, well, I, it's, it's not Pauline Hanson. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so I think, there's, I think there's probably a few things, right? So the last six months has been dominated by national conversation about The Voice and, and the referendum, and they've invested not all of their bandwidth or, you know, their communication bandwidth, not all of it, but at least like a significant chunk of it prosecuting that case. And yeah. that has taken whatever share of their ability to communicate with the Australian people and has left this small component left to kind of 
signal to the Australian people that they're doing things to help all of the things that actually people care about. So cost of living, whatever, right? And I think that's contributed partially to a sense of kind of inaction on or missing inaction on some key things. But then also I think Australians are doing it pretty tough at the moment. Like there's not there's a sense we're going backwards uh, with inflation so high, with you know, th- the tide is turning. We've had interest rate rises. It it feels like you know house price increases, rental price increases, all of those things mean that a lot of Australians are losing a bit of hope, a bit of optimism. And if you look at your government and you don't see them sort of 110% dedicated to whether they're actually solving the problems or not, um, but at least a sense that they're committed to solving those problems, that's going to make you think twice it about them right are you going to give them a little bit more yeah skepticism yeah. than what you might otherwise yeah yeah i think so they did put a lot of eggs in the in the referendum basket in terms of what they wanted to push out of line but i think you know the cost of living thing is an interesting thing for me right because i don't know everyone has their uh, different impact from it and maybe you're, you're in a better place to answer this than me from you know stepping outside of, of our experience, right? Our immediate experience. But when when they say cost of living crisis, what do you think the majority of people are being impacted by? Like when when they day to day or kind of, you know, month to month, when they say, oh, gee, things are getting really expensive. What are they really talking about, do you think? Well, everything. Uh, everything's more expensive than it was a year and a half, two years ago. And I think, you know, just the context of this is that we've had like almost like preceding the last sort of two years or so where it's edged up, inflation's edged up, we've had very low inflation. So we've had probably since the GFC inflation that has been either, well, certainly consistently within the 2 to 3% inflation targeting bad that the RBA has when it considers interest rates and all of that stuff. But we actually had like even leading up to the pandemic and during the pandemic periods of inflation below the target band so one percent or you know under two percent and so we've had this like decade of very very low inflation we haven't had wages growth either but still you know people are moving to high paid jobs so they're still getting a bit of a boost there but the other thing we've had is very low interest rates so you have two two things in the past sort of decade low interest rates low inflation and then now we're moving to a world where we have high int- or h- higher interest rates and much higher inflation. In fact, the highest inflation we've seen for decades. So when you combine that, like they're, they're very real. So I don't know, like even today, like, I went to the local um, supermarket near me and I, it was one of those Woolworths metros. So we, we've complained about those before on the podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you even <laughs> stepped foot in one. And I went to buy some stuff and I was like, ah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll cook, whip something up for dinner tonight. And then I just walked through the place and I just looked at the price and I go, this is utterly ridiculous. I'm not paying. Like, I'm talking like, you know, when you buy frozen fish, like, because that's what I was literally going to buy. I was like, oh, that's that, that's easy enough, right? I'll just whack it in the oven. Like frozen fish, you know. <laughs> when you say whip something up. <laughs> well, yeah, you, well, put it in the oven, right? I'm, I'm hearing the, uh, <laughs> the rip of the baking paper. But like frozen fish, like, come on, this should be like, it was like $10 for a box of frozen fish. Like, and I just, yeah. I just like, fuck that. I can go across the road to the fish, fish and chip shop and buy like a full meal for 20 bucks. So I'm not going to spend 
10 bucks plus then I've got to buy everything else to make it like a more well-rounded meal to have shitty frozen fish imported from wherever right so yeah I don't know I just I I feel it and petrol prices that's that's an obvious one if you're renting rent rental prices gone up if you're a mortgage holder mortgage interest rates have gone up so yeah yeah look I was about to say like cuz I think that once you take out housing, which I know is a huge part of it, right? But if you did put that to the side, where is the day-to-day stuff that you feel it, right? Um, because I don't necessarily know that the food court experience is that much worse um, when I look at it. And maybe maybe I'm, I'm getting it wrong, but I don't seem to think that like when you go to McDonald's or, you know, sit down and get a curry or something that that much has changed. Um, in that kind of day-to-day food. I do think fuel definitely hurts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was just trying to scratch my head around, like, where do most people really feel it outside of housing? Well, I can give you the figures. So, unfortunately, I can't. There's no easy way to quickly reorder this. But in the past year, food and non-alcoholic beverages, uh, 4.8% increase. Alcohol and tobacco, 4.9%. Do, do you know what I mean, though? Do you, do you feel it in the food court when you're buying your lunch? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, housing, 7%. Uh, furnishings, household equipment and services, that's only 2.5%. Health, 5.4%. Transport, 5.6%. Uh, recreation and culture, 5.6%. Insurance and financial services, 8.6%. So... I don't know that it's pretty broad based. I wouldn't say it's just petrol prices and housing. It's it's affecting everything. I think like the food court situation. Let's say you you know they're able to absorb like you know because the drivers of costs within the food court. I mean the predominant drivers would be labour and rents, commercial rents, right? So those are probably more stable, but. So maybe not like in that in a hospitality setting as much, but yeah, I definitely like if you said to me there was like a five percent increase on average in most food courts, I'd be like, yeah, okay, sounds about right. Yeah, I wonder like has McDonald's gone up because that's probably a pretty reliable <laughs> indicator of of the state of affairs, right? Because you know that is something where there's no price arbitrage really. But see, McDonald's is like an interesting one because they are the type of business that does really well in circumstances like the one we're currently facing. So because McDonald's is like a cheap place to eat, right? So they can probably offset some of their cost pressures through volume, right? Increasing volume. I don't know how their business cost structure works, but if it, presuming it is like labor and and commercial rents is like the, the key costs, yeah. um, you know, so I, I think they, those sorts of businesses will always want to, retain their perception as being like a cheap place to to go and eat right so i think they they will fight against price increases longer than other parts but definitely supermarket i definitely noticed a lot of price increases in in the supermarket which is why i didn't buy dinner in the supermarket tonight but i I think the other thing as well like if you look at the psychology of the way consumers engage in like their everyday purchasing decisions like this there's sort of like an art form to the whole tap-and-go payment culture where you, you don't even, like, look at the price of things anymore. Like, people are just so desensitized to, 
I mean, yeah, they don't even know what they or they they're in the you know they'll do a sneaky thing like they'll give you like two less chocolate biscuits rather than increasing the price by twenty percent sort of thing, and that's how they they'll get you sort of you know so there's I don't know they just there's all these little sneaky things going on as well. And I think I think that like you know we've spoken about this at length in our cheapskate uh, episode, right? Because I think that buyer mentality, right? That consumer mentality changes so wildly bet- between person to person. Some people don't know the price of things and then it actually they're unfazed by it, especially when it comes to food. So, you know, I think that it's multifaceted. When when does it when does the pendulum swing back that way, right? Because that's what they said when I say well, they, I'm talking about the government, they would focus on bread and butter issues post the voice referendum. <laughs> well, I think they they would say they are focusing on it. It's just that they can't do fuck all about it, right? And this is the reality because No, but like there's a difference between being able to actually do fuck all about it versus talking about it. Yeah, which so, so, so I think they're saying, <laughs> like they're, saying, they'll say we're focusing on it and, and every second utterance will be, oh, we're focusing on the matters that affect the Australian people, including cost of living, you know, la da 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 But there's no lever for them to pull. In fact, the irony is that the levers they have to pull are things that are going to make things get worse. So it's going to be a combination of interest rates going up more and to curb inflation or it's going to be the government making a decision not to give tax cuts that it, that it's you know scheduled to to give to households. So those things will be perceived as an attack on cost of living because there's less money in the pocket, but you kind of need less money in the pocket to curb inflation because it's that's inflation is the result of more demand than supply, right? So yeah, yeah, no, I feel that, and I think that I heard a stat that taking into all you know the slicing and dicing of the numbers that they do that the average sydney homeowner since the beginning of you know the period of rate rises from its relatively stable low base on a you know million dollar mortgage it's like i think it's they've had to find 2400 a month extra oh, i think it would be more than that for many people yeah, well, I mean that, that that getting that money out of nowhere, right? An extra two two and a half k every month. So yeah, your your figure to like two two and a half thousand dollars. Then you factor in like what like what that is in terms of a tax free income. So that like let's say double that. So that's the equivalent of like your pay going down by fifty thousand dollars a year. Like yeah, that's nuts. So let's let's shift a little bit. Um, I have a very simple question to ask you. And it's to do with uh, Albanese's diplomatic visit to China or China. Do you also agree that he is a handsome boy? <laughs> well, I think they drew him very handsomely uh, in the uh, in the One Nation cartoons. <laughs> and, and actually, do you th- do you, did you think there was any? I mean, you're a little bit of a China file, right? Um, do you think there was any kind of demeaning? nature of that or is it just lost in translation no i think it's just lost in translation i think it's uh i just think there's so many layers of weirdness in, <laughs> in like culturally that bureaucratic weirdness <laughs> or just cultural weirdness <laughs> or both because it's a bit weird though isn't it like let's be honest like when it's not like yeah it's a bit off key it's a bit to call a head of state kind of well I, I i didn't follow this all that closely other than i thought that there were people in china like regular citizens who we're referring to him to in that way, but um, it was just like a TikTok clip of him walking around in a Matilda's jersey of all things, and yeah, just like 
Premier League, I think, was, was saying that, uh, yeah, he was just a handsome boy. <laughs> so, look, I think the easiest way to answer this question is go to China, maybe not the easiest logistically, but the easiest conceptually, go to China and scan with your phone. Just go to the first restaurant that you see and scan with, with your phone the names of the dishes on the menu and the flourishing language that, that they use <laughs> on, on menus in China means that even when you translate it, it it's not quite a translation. All right. So you think this is just confused by language? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, but on, on a serious note, though, you know, we, we've been under, Australians have been under a variety of kind of, well, shall we call it punitive measures um, in terms of trade sanctions and things like that from China. That was, you know, a lot of those were cleared up. Would you would you say that it's been a bit of a how how do we kind of place the actual uh, diplomatic uh, outcome? I think if you're a, a a business that's not able to export your products, you you would say it's a very good outcome. But at the same time, you know it's always a balancing act with China, and I think different governments have approached it in different ways in the past. And I don't think any country is really like it. There's just not a lot of trust. I think it's like. Are you just like giving us like enough of goodwill now so you can like screw us over later in a more profound way? Like, and that's the, and that's the, the mistrust. And then you've got like a country in, in China that's not very self confident. So it wants to be like top dog and be perceived as top dog, but it knows that no one respects it as that. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of an analogy. It's like when you've got, I don't know, and like, You've got a, a group of colleagues, and, and and one of them gets promoted suddenly, and they're never really respected as the boss by the other. It's it's a little bit like that, and and they want to be respected as the boss, so they act in this kind of way, like in these really weird ways. But they're not set, like, but they're really self conscious about it, and yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just like a little bit tricky, I guess. Okay, so we had the voice referendum, and then Albanese goes to China, and he goes to America. And then I don't even know where he is now, but like it, it, it feeds into this perception of he's a government that doesn't really care about you. It, and the other thing is like, of course, like, and we, we haven't talked about it today, but of course we've got the, um, you know, Israel-Palestine thing going on as well. And the government's got to, oh, it's got to kind of, it can't just be like ignore it, right? It can't just be completely silent on an issue like that because there's like, even though it's an international sort of matter that it could just say not doesn't affect us, but you've got populations here in Australia that, you know, you do, do have views. You've got like increasing in like tensions and all that sort of stuff. And Australia does have have like an international position on on it, and it has to convey convey that to its allies or whatever. And yeah. you've got like this. Just there's no upside to this for the government in like in, engaging in this topic because there's no position it can take that will not offend like a, a group in the community, right? Do you, Do you really think there there are votes at play here? Do you really think that, like, say, you know, you could get somewhere that out in Western Sydney that votes Labor to totally flip flip out to the other side purely on this issue? Uh, I don't No, Probably not. But I do think... Um, you know what I mean? Like, what's well, the I, same with the, the Americans, right? Like, you're really going to cross the, cross the, you know, the other side of the bench for, for this one issue? Probably not. Yeah, but I think, I think the issue is that it's not so much because you'll the, find strange bedfellows on the other side. Well, I, 
I think there's probably different levels of power structures, right? There's the vote that we have every three years in an election and pro- like you're right, probably not though. Like if you mishandle it, you'll be perceived as like incompetent and then that's the thing that yeah. will, will generate a broader view. But then like you do have like power bases within like within the Labor Party, you definitely have very strong views within the Labor Party. So the government as, you know, the Labor Party in, in power has to has to kind of make navigate internal kind of very strong internal views on it. And even like it kind of has to do that. And it's not about necessarily winning votes of the general public, but yeah, anyway, it's I just think it just it, they like they like it's, this is the thing they have to talk about it but again when yeah. you, like when the government's talking about this thing like it, it's not winning votes but it's distracting from a sense that hey we're we're concerned with like the the, the cost of like milk you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no, no I, sorry that was that wasn't a laugh about the cost of milk um, it's very serious very serious but there, there are a lot of different milk grades you can buy um uh, I'm, I'm surprised every day, actually. So in the last couple of weeks, we have had, you know, the whole debate around like NIMBYism and kind of, you know, the quarter acre blockhouse is a thing of the past. We need to like move on with that and develop and we need to have more housing. Like, we've had the whole thing of like the eastern suburbs needs to take a greater share. We've got golf courses that are being, you know, carved up for not not more housing per se, but green space for you know, significant increases in apartments nearby and stuff like that. What Dude, you can't take away the golf courses. <laughs> they're, they're like um, they're like the open air prisons, right? Like a different kind of open air prison. They are they're keeping all those psychopaths at bay. You get rid of that, where they're going to go to? They're going to leech into the communities, disrupting even more people. <laughs> don't, don't you think this is like the biggest problem for mainstream Australia? Like the housing situation. Of course, yes. When I think about the things that I am most resentful about in life. It's the kind of feeling of our generation of like doing well at school, getting a decent job, feeling like you're going to do actually things that your parents weren't allowed to do because, you know, you're kicking a lot of goals and, and you've, you've made all the right decisions only for the housing market to pull you down to exactly to, you know, pull you back down to earth and realize, oh, I am literally just another brick in the wall peddling and actually doesn't really uh you left with this feeling of resentment and bitterness that says no matter how hard you work and sacrifice it's not really going to make a difference right it's just going to be eaten up by you know giving more money to the big four banks right and yeah i, I totally agree it's like demoralizing it's um it's caused a lot of mental anguish and a lot of like sucked a lot of the joy out of life for, for most people right like working in jobs that they don't like to to kind of service these houses right it's not even like people are wasting money on frivolous things. They are literally pumping all of their their money and their effort into a house that they grew up in, less than what they grew up in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, how much of that do you think is, I mean, look, there's definitely a problem in that we don't have enough housing, right? We, we definitely, we, we have a mismatch housing socks. We've got lots of older couples in like five bedroom homes and you've got lots of, families young families in one or two or two bedroom apartments right so you've got this mismatch and that's part of it but then you know arguably you'd probably say well you know you might say okay well let's swap let's just swap everyone swap the 
the boomers and get them from their big homes and, and swap in the young families. And of course, it's not that simple. But you might say that if you did that sort of a swap, then we'd be all right. But the reality is... You're describing a nursing home? <laughs> like it's it's plain that like if the typical like Australian family aspires to have that sort of quarter acre block home, because that's what they grew up in sort of, you, you know, predominantly, then there's just not enough of those homes, right? Or it, it, those homes are located very far away from jobs and where people work and stuff. And yeah. and so, like, the, it, there's not enough housing if that's the goal. But then I guess the question is, is it reasonable to say, because Sydney is not the same city as it, and Melbourne would be the same as it was when we were growing up, right? There, it's a more international city. It's a bigger city. There's more things going on here. And the equivalent city to Sydney 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would be in terms of activity, you know, maybe like a either a smaller capital city, maybe Adelaide or maybe Newcastle. You know, if you compare like for like, you can still get those sorts of properties if you move to regional Australia. But people don't really want to do that. They want to stay where they grew up, where their family is and friends are. So, like, how much of this is we just need to like suck eggs on this? Like, we just need to come to terms with the fact that your parents could reasonably expect to have that detached house but you 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 got to give that up because look outside look at all the all the people here now it's a it's a international city this is more new york than it is sydney of 50 years well, ago it's an interesting question that you propose right and i think that it's very hard like just taking kind of our experience it's quite hard to grow up in middle australia in the kind of like modest houses that we lived in an hour away from the city center and think that that is too much. Like we were living in a fantasy land that you should be able to afford that. Like, I, I think that it's an interesting prospect, but I've, I've never had that point of view, right? Like, yes, you can be grateful that you have, you know, you, that you're, you're in a detached house and things like that. But I just don't think suburban living should be that. Like, I mean, I think when I, when I, when, when I look at how it's situated and how it's sprawled away from the city center, right? Like, we didn't grow up close to the city, and, and I, I know just what you mean because trying to find an air, trying to find a, some property back where we grew up, you're looking at like, oh, that was my friend's house, and now it's for sale, but it's just like three million dollars. <laughs> they haven't built anything since we were kids. It's been locked up. But at the same time, like I don't know, like I I don't think that suburban living in that way is is too much to ask for. You know, I really, I really don't. I understand if you're saying like, oh no, you are 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes away from the city. Maybe there shouldn't be such big properties, freestanding properties, but there's got to be a place for suburban living. And I, I think as a man with a big family, like I do think that yes, you can do it, but when you have a certain number of kids and everything that comes with that, there is real impacts to your well-being when you when you do jam them into a space that's too small but but what if i Um, say there is such a place right where you can have affordable suburban living yeah it's just not it's just not in sydney yeah look look i mean then my mind goes to okay so when my mother bought a place you know where 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 we grew up they literally she moved from a much more urban center and her friends literally laughed at her and said, no one wants to live an hour away from the city. That you're buying in kind of like a wilderness that's is, is not ever going to grow in value, in capital value, right? So I understand this idea of you have to move a bit further out 
and things took a while to kind of catch up in terms of transport and, and opportunities and things like that. And obviously then um, other, other kind of like hubs. But if you, if you kind of follow your logic and we move out even further, where, what does that look like for Sydney? And, and no, where then? What, what if it's not in Sydney though? What if it's Maitland or Adelaide or, you know, yeah, like, cause the problem with Sydney, right, is, is it's the Sydney basin. You've got natural limits of where housing, new housing can be built and, and we don't build dense, like the density of housing historically hasn't. So the opportunities to build more housing in Sydney is like increased density in, in like current like urban areas. So like knock down, you know, go and buy like 10 houses and build like massive apartments. And that's what they're doing, right? That's where the houses are coming from. It's where the new housing's coming from. And then that means you've got to get used to the idea of living in an apartment or you tack on more houses to the outskirts of Sydney. But then the problem is now the outskirts of Sydney is like so far away. <laughs> but then when you look at places like Maitland, just to, just to nominate an example, like you can get very cheap housing there, N- new housing, good, good quality housing stock, large property pro- like sizes, all that sort of stuff. And it's very affordable. Well, I mean, it's not affordable, but compared to Sydney it is. And you have to work in that part of the world. Like you probably wouldn't, live there and commute to Sydney, but maybe you don't get paid the same. But then if you do this, if you do the maths and you think, okay, well, let's, I, I don't quote me on any exact prices, but let's say you could buy a, a very good house for between seven, $800,000, right? And then you work back, okay, well, at what, in what year do you have to get to in Sydney where that same equivalent circumstance applies. So you could buy something for seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. And you might go back 15, 20 years, right? And then you think, okay, well, what would what were the typical salaries 15, 20 years ago? And the salaries in that part of the world will be on par with with what it would have been in Sydney. So it's just this kind of disconnection like where literally Sydney's reached like its limits and people just have to kind of move out. And the price mechanism is the thing that's making people do that. Yeah, well, why don't more people move out? Well, I guess they are. They're all moving to Queensland and uh, <laughs> and Maitland too. Maitland's freaking booming, you know. But um, I'm just using that as an example. But I do, I do just sort of wonder, like, how much of this is just just got to suck eggs on it? Yeah, look, I get it. Right, I get it. You gotta you gotta be practical about it. But I guess where the dissatisfaction comes from is that you know it's that wage to to house ratio right like it's just gone crazy because of what you've said and the realities around supply but it's it's left with this idea of you know like our parents could did it on a fairly meager um bracket of salary they were able to do it and yes they might have had to take some uh some sacrifices to do that but we were led to believe <laughs> we will be able to do the same if not more by essentially getting jobs and incomes in that in that higher echelon and it's just not the case and so whenever that happens you're left with a generation of people who are very disenfranchised with the situation right like the the kind of the promise of fool's gold well we talked about this a few episodes ago but like young people entering the workforce now like what they're like they they must literally just have given up on the prospect of owning the home they live in and it must be just I'm just here to have like a fucking good time. I've got all this disposable income. I'm not even going to bother saving for a deposit. 
I'm just going to maybe invest some money in shares or something, but I'm just going to live large. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to run this race that like, that's such a, it's such a boomer Gen X, Gen Y thing to. Well, unfortunately I can't even do that now because of rent. Yeah. But you know, they, you can, you can live in share houses. You can, you know, if you, and by the time they get into say, I mean, you know, they don't have to have kids anymore. It actually be interesting to see what the effect on birth rate, <laughs> birth rates are, you know, like it's, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking through like, there's always a way, like there's always a way to kind of deal with it. You just got to adapt and respond and it, it's the equivalent. Well, what, they, what we're going through now, it's the equivalent of not buying bananas when there's a cyclone in Queensland because they're 30 bucks a kilo. Like that's the, that's the situation you're in when something becomes so expensive that you don't value it anymore. You, they, you stop buying it and you buy other things that you, whether it's overseas holidays or, you know, I don't know, whatever, right? All right, so before we finish off, um, you have to give me your your numbers. Um, we haven't done it for a few weeks. We haven't, and I've I've had my birthday there, so actually I've I've consumed quite a lot of cake. I've been sick, so you know, go easy on me. But I have um, continued my trend upwards. Unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't a um, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a dead cat bounce. So unfortunately, I am. Two kilos heavier than I started, but but um, I do think there is a bit of muscle memory coming back. Um, I am a little bit, you know, stronger looking than I started, so I'm going to cling to that. But so maybe I'm going the the slight bulk before I cut for summer. That's that's my thing. But I'm two kilos up. What about you? <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> I well, okay. So I don't have a figure because. Um, no pun intended. I haven't weighed myself in uh, since we last recorded. I'm cu- I'll be curious to see how I've gone because, and I'm preparing for. It. Okay, if I've gone down, I'll be very happy with that. Uh, but because I've just come back from a trip, uh, and where I sort of was a little bit, well, it's a little bit hard when you when you're traveling to be too strict. But that said, like I didn't go crazy, so I I you do a lot of walking holidays as well. Oh yeah, not this holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing too is, um, so there's like two things. One is like, have I kept like I've kept up the one meal a day thing, apart from I think two days when I was on holidays. So that's actually been okay. But I the one thing that I've where I'm a little bit worried is like the dinners have been rubbish like extravagant they've not been kind of moderate sort of as moderate so yeah i'm just curious to see how that's going have you been drinking i drank when i was on holidays i drank more than i definitely more than i would normally drink but not crazy still not crazy. and 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 over the past like if it's say two weeks since i've weighed in then not again not that much over the period but like the other thing like what was going really well for me i think is that I was doing like home cooked every night, like no no junk food, no ordering out, no restaurants, anything like that. But since we've come back, I haven't had a single meal. That's why I wanted to go to the supermarket to to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> the the one meal a day thing's fine, like that's on track. Like I haven't lost any momentum there, but I just need to get yeah get the diet a bit bit better. I mean, is there a part of you that wonders like how long you'll keep the one meal a day up for? I think that's actually Have you the, thought of like life after that. Yeah, no. Well, well this is the thing. I, I I don't know that 
I, I know it's a big call to say like I'm going to keep doing it for the rest of my life, but I, I think like right now if you said to me, you have to do it for medical reasons, I'd survive that. Talk to me about like, okay, because so, you are the experiment right now, right? Like obviously only one of us has changed, <laughs> made meaningful changes in their lifestyle at the moment. Um, apart from, you know, go to the gym and injure myself a few times. So all the benefits that they talk about when you start fasting, right, which is essentially what you're doing, you're doing like a big fasting window. You're meant to feel all these different things like mental clarity, different kind of cellular cleaning and, and, and you know, all this. Else. Have you experienced any of that? No, no. I mean, the the well, the best I could say is that I haven't, felt like self-righteousness doesn't count as a, as a benefit. <laughs> well, well the, the only thing I say is I haven't felt downside. So it's like, if, if you don't eat, you can get really frustrated with not eating. Right. So if you, if you take the average person on the street and you, and they, and you say to them, you're not allowed to eat for 24 hours, they will like come sort of, tw- you know, 20 hours in be like a bit hangry. Right. And so I'm kind of through that. Like, I don't really feel that and snacking and stuff's not really, I don't have this urge to snack or anything like that, but I, I I don't think there's any benefits to the fasting per se. I think it's just beneficial because pure calories is rich. Yeah, it's hard to eat. I mean, when you think about it, like I I don't know. Disappointing. (laughs) Yeah. So I I don't know what like for me my maintain my weight calories a day would be something like two thousand two and a bit thousand calories a day, and so theoretically, if I ate well, let's just say it's 2,200 calories. I don't know if that's right or not, but it's something like that. Then theoretically that, if you factor that into one meal, it's going to be pretty hard to eat a 2,200 calorie meal if you're just having that one yeah. meal. So that's probably the equivalent of like two Big Mac meals, for example. So it's most meals you have. I could not, definitely, like, definitely eat two Big Mac meals. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. That, that's, I could definitely do that. <laughs> but that's pretty hard to do in one sitting and feel good about yourself, right? So, I, Do you want to know what I ate for lunch today? I'll fess up <laughs> on, 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 on air. So I was at the food court and I thought to myself, oh, you know, look, I really want something, but I'm going to show some level of restraint. So I'll have a chicken burger, right? Because it's mainly, you know, lean lean meat. And then I tricked myself into thinking that uh, a Porto Bondi double was a chicken burger. And so I, <laughs> I ordered that. And then I showed some restraint and I said, um, no no fries, like no chips, right? Uh, or, or soda or anything like that. So I had that, ate that down and it tasted so good. I was like, this is delicious. And then I just literally had the bloodlust and I'm like, I want more. And so I then immediately walked five, five meters across in the food court and ordered a double cheeseburger uh, meal. And I ate that directly after. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) And then after that, I ordered a Starbucks sweet cream cold brew. I had this um, situation where I was at McDonald's and I think my son, I was getting something for my son. And I and I did want something for myself, but not food. Like I wanted like a drink, like something from the McCafe menu. Yeah. And like they've got so many different kind of variations of 
very similar things. So if you you know how you've got like iced coffee and then you've but then they've got like lots of different variants of it, <laughs> the deluxe version of it. Yeah, and it's, it's and it's actually really hard to navigate. And it's like ah. Oh. So I was looking through the different options they had, and there was the first one which I've actually had before, and it's like a really guilty pleasure. It's like one of those frappuccino style drinks, uh, yeah. and they're, they're kind of like they taste so good, but they're so bad for you. And I saw that one, and it was like okay, that would be like. If I could swing it, I'd get that. But like, I'm I'm on a diet, so I'm gonna I have to look at the calories. Like I have to know what it is. And it was just it was like something like 700, 800 yeah. calories. And I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> the, the terrible. They're really really bad. And um, I used to be one of those people who like couldn't stand when people would order like vanilla shots in their coffee or whatever, right? Because it would it it would the idea would be gross. And when I tasted it, I was like, oh, it's not good enough for me to to waste the calories on. But the moment I do have one of those really deluxe drinks, like the one you're talking about, and I always get that one when I'm driving up the coast, like on a long holiday, you know, there's always drive-through markets. I always get something like that. And they're undeniable. And this is why places like Starbucks and all these things work because they don't deal in your regular true coffees. They deal in the sugar bombs that you get. And when you get this big fucking drink and it's like, full of ice and, and syrup and like whipped cream and all sorts of stuff that like, you know, it's like an adult milkshake and it is so good and your body rewards you almost instantly. You know, like whatever you get from the caffeine high, double that, you know, there's a multiplier effect with all the sugar and you feel good. You feel really, really good. And um, yeah, so yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it is a real guilty pleasure. Um, and it just, it goes to show, right? Like the, I was like thinking to myself today, like, how should I feel about that binge that I had, right? That's a pretty poor indictment of like my mental state that I am vulnerable enough to like <laughs> buy a meal after a meal. Can I ask, what did you have for dinner? Um, what I, I cooked dinner for like the kids and stuff. So that's because I was by myself as well, right? I would, I would have never, I would have never pulled that. Um, but did with, you have a big kids around? Did you have a big dinner though? Yeah, I had pasta, so it was it was big as well. Because because the thing um, is, like you, the, the meal you just talked about. Like that, that would, that's the kind of thing that like as, as like indulgent as that sounds, what you just described, like on my diet, like I could, yeah, if that's all I could get away with that. Right. (laughs) Cause, cause I'm not sure. Did you have breakfast as well? Yeah. Yeah. I've had every meal today. So, okay. So, so this is, this is the thing, right? So breakfast, like I've always been able to not have, I've, I've always survived not having breakfast. So. This is just an extension of that. So that's why you've just sparked this memory for me, man. Like, um, I remember one time we were out, we were out doing some, some content and things. And then we rocked back to your place and we opened the door and your, your wife and your son were smashing a burger. And it was just like, it was just like maybe, I don't know, like an hour before dinner, like five, five thirty or something. And I just had this sense come over me of like jealousy of just like, <laughs> how regimented my meals are because of the kids and stuff. And here, like your, your son and, and your wife are literally just like, Oh, are you a bit hungry? Are you? Oh, we'll just smash a burger. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time it doesn't, I don't know where, I don't know where Andy is. He's, he's doing something, but I'm just, yeah, let's just grab a book. <laughs> I just, in that moment, I just felt like, Oh, I'm missing a beat here. Like this is how it used to be. You know? And then you came, you're like, where's my burger? Like, no. uh, your burger? And then you went to the food court. <laughs> Is there anything sadder than like doing what I did? But if you did it in a car, I think that would make it even even worse. Nice.